Well, hello, world. Welcome again to another edition of Someone You Should Know. I hope everyone is doing well and feeling well and uh, are in good spirits. Uh, we started leaving our homes, and now uh, some of those those uh, things have changed a bit. But uh, I wish everyone well and uh, also welcome you to the show again. Uh, this week, I have got a very, very dear friend, Lisa Hammett, is in the house. And Lisa, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, sir. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> it, it's it's so good to see you. We are we are both members of a wonderful networking group out of Allen, Texas. Uh, it's called NetWeavers, and uh, and uh, Lisa, you're one of the founding members, aren't you? Of the I group? am. And uh, and I just joined. Oh gosh, it's been about six months ago, uh, or maybe a little bit more, because that was when we were meeting in person. Uh, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and we weren't meeting at the restaurant. Uh, we all miss it, but we do get together every week uh, on Thursday mornings and all to interact through Zoom. And, uh, and we've all you know, stayed, stayed in touch. And the beauty of networking, if, if those that are watching from across the country, there are lots of different ways to network. Uh, there are chambers of commerce. There are rotary clubs, uh, and all. What what makes Net Weavers a little different is, first of all, there's no financial involvement. Uh, people network and get together, and when we do meet at the restaurant, you want to have something to eat, you just you you, you pay for it as you go. Uh, but not not a lot of dues. It's all about friendships, building friendships, learning about each other's businesses, and then sharing that information. And Lisa is probably one of the generals uh, of the organization in, in networking and doing one-on-ones and getting people together and, and sharing that information. Uh, and since we're, we started off a little bit about NetWeavers, you want to take a minute and just tell everybody else a little bit about how NetWeavers started? Oh, gosh. Well, I... You know, it's interesting that I'm considered founding because I wasn't there on the first day that it started, but I've been there, you know, some of the longest length of time as some of the members. And, you know, it just, it was kind of the brainchild of Jared Abshire. And um, he just really wanted to create a group um, that was really about net weaving and getting to know people. And, you know, obviously the motto the people that you know, like, and trust you'll do business with. So it wasn't about shuffling a bunch of business cards. It was more about let's get to know each other. Let's have that interaction. And from there organically, how can we help each other? And I've stayed with that group for so long because the contacts that I have made over the years, even if there are members that don't come anymore consistently, I'm still getting referrals and I still connect with them and I still refer people because it's a really high quality, you know, networking group, as you well said. So, yeah. It, and, 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 in the, and the beauty is that every week uh, they start off, we usually uh, chat a little bit. And then when we get into the session, every member uh, gets 60 seconds uh, to tell a little bit about their business uh, you know, if you will, their own little one-minute infomercial, and then the guests get 30 seconds until they become member status. Uh, and and that way, everybody every week talks about what they're doing, any new products that are in their business or, or new services that they're offering. And it really gives everybody 
that that connect every week. And so, for instance, if someone's in the financial business and you're talking to a friend that says, you know, I I'm really thinking about refinancing my house. Oh, listen, I know somebody from NetWeavers and all. I want you to get in touch with them and and at least they'll give you a shot. Uh, uh, you know, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And it's great. And and it's and it's easy when people contact you because you got your hands in so many pies <laughs> that, that you know, uh listen, you, you got you got issues, call Lisa Hammett. She'll take <laughs> Carry you. I'm kind of an overachiever. Yeah, I admit. <laughs> now, now you, you're not a native Texan. No, I'm not. No, nope. you're 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 from you're from Northern California. I am. In, in fact, it's a relatively small city. So, actually, I was born in Palm Springs. I'm adopted. A lot of people don't okay. know that. And my adoptive parents uh, were from Northern California, and we moved uh, to a suburb called El Dorado Hills, which is outside of Sacramento. And I grew up there. And when I was growing up there, it was like 1,200 people. Well, now it's like hundreds of thousands of people. And a lot of people from the Bay Area have transplanted up to El Dorado Hills. So... That's the, it's not this little tiny bedroom community anymore. So I grew up there and uh, went to college in Stockton at University of the Pacific. And then after college, I moved to the Bay Area and spent, you know, many years in the Bay Area working in San Francisco and for various companies and uh, lived there. And then until we moved to Texas. So. Yeah, and and you say that you 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 worked a lot in the in the Bay Area. You worked a lot in marketing and. Uh, uh, in, in, in what areas? In retail, actually. And so I come from a retail background and there's a West Coast store chain called Broadway Stores, which doesn't exist anymore, but were absorbed in the Federated umbrella, which eventually, you know, was Macy's and the whole bit. So I worked for them, worked for Macy's, I've worked for William Sonoma, Jay Jill, The Sharper Image, um, I took an odd segue to work for Kinko's, which I loved. It was great and managed a branch. And that's how I met my husband. So I say, if had I not taken that weird segue, I probably never would have met my husband. And you've been married how many years? So we got married in 2003. So, ah, okay. And we, we were together seven years before we got married. So, yeah, we've been together a long time. Is that the time that, that, that you moved to, to Texas? Yeah. So, yes. We moved in 2002, April 12th of 2002. We moved. Okay. And um, let's see. JC corporate relocated us. I signed a two-year contract thinking, oh, we're going to be here two years. And we'll either – because both of us were born and raised in California – had lots of family, friends there. So we thought, oh, well, you know, we'll either go back to California or we'll move somewhere else because we didn't have kids. So we thought, well, if we're going to move, now's the time to do it. So that was, like I said, you know, 2002 and it's now 2020. So, yeah, we, yeah. we're now Texans. And as much as there, are, I miss the weather in California, there are a lot of things I do not miss. And I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. Well, glad about this. well in, do, in doing a little of my research, you uh, you grew up in California near a, a very, very famous landmark. 
not, not too not too far away from where you grew up is Folsom Prison. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I, because I was trying to figure out. Well, let me let me let me Google it here, and and I'll see where where El Dorado Hills is. And I see El Dorado Hills, and then there's a there's a road there near called the Johnny Cash Highway or something that leads to Folsom Prison. Yeah. Well, I did go to school there, but you know, I I kind of left that out. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> but. All right, so you came here and you were with with in the marketing area with with JC Penny. I was a merchandise planner. Actually. Oh, okay. I was a senior merchandise planner. So basically, what that is is I uh, told the buyer how much money he had to spend. I kind of and they were all and they always asked for more. Oh yeah, always, always. <laughs> um, so and I worked for uh, Pennies in the stores in California. So I kind of worked both sides. Um, so yeah, so I worked there for three and a half years and I was, I needed to get out of retail. It's a very, it's a great training ground and I don't well, regret. Tell me about it. Yeah, I, spent, I, I spent 40 years in it. <laughs> yeah. So you, you get it. It is hard, hard work. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's kind of a beat down. And especially when you go into the corporate, it is the pressure and the intensity and it's like the banking industry in the sense that it's so volatile and based on the economy. Right. And, you know, I know so many, I have so many friends right now who are still in retail and they're struggling just terribly due to COVID and it's just, it's tough. tough. Yeah. Well, if, if it's not COVID, it's, it's, uh, it's the internet. Uh, because right? to have a brick and mortar store and have an overhead that you've got to cover every month uh, and then hope that customers will walk in your door when you know that a lot of them are shopping online. And that was that was probably the thing in the last five to eight years that my wife and I were in retail. Uh, and all those those were the ones that it the, the fun started to dwindle away from it because we really enjoyed the the one on one contact with our customers. And I'm you know, I'm, I'm sure you know all of that about that because you then transitioned into some other businesses that definitely were were people businesses where you were you were interacting you know one on one with them and uh so so we went from pennies then i know you're with with uh, a company called pixingo uh you also were uh, have been working with Sarah Blaine jewelry you just seem you just seem to keep dipping your toes into everything don't you I do. I went into the direct selling industry and it kind of a weird uh, segue. I know a lot of people are like, well, why'd you do that? So when we moved here from Texas or not from Texas, from California, we knew nobody, nobody. We had no friends. We had no relatives, nobody. So we ended up building a house in Frisco and our alley neighbor, because we all had the rear entry, she had a Southern living at home party. And I had never heard of Southern living at home. So I thought, well, what a great way to meet the women in the neighborhood. So I went, promptly fell in love with the products. If you're not familiar with them, it was home decor based off of, um, it was a publishing comp company at one time that then opened up a direct sales division where we sold beautiful home decor pieces. So I loved it. And for the next couple years, actually, I was a very loyal purchaser and I hosted parties and I thought, wow, this would be a really fun job to do. But I was so ingrained in the corporate world and just, you know, couldn't 
couldn't envision myself taking the step from that. And then I'll never forget, it was in September of 2005, and I just reached my limit. I'm like, I have got to get out of this. It is a toxic environment. I don't want to be doing this. My health was suffering because I was so stressed out. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I had built up a good business and I thought I'm going to do this full time. And I did. And a industry or business was born and it was great. I mean, I became a director. I earned a bunch of really fabulous trips and took the ride with Southern Living at Home. And then eventually they were purchased and became Willow House. Stayed oh, okay. with them through that transition. While I was at Willow House, the owner decided that he wanted to introduce a second brand in addition to home decor because the home decor industry had started to decline. You know, uh, parties weren't as popular in home parties and people weren't spending as much money on home decor. Or if they were, they really wanted it at a discount, you know, because of all the big box stores. So he thought jewelry. So he met Sarah Blaine and her husband Mendel and asked them to create a line of jewelry exclusively for Willow House. And I represented that, fell in love with it. And then unfortunately the business closed its doors like six years ago. And um, yeah, we just, it, it took us all by surprise, but fortunately we had developed a great relationship with Sarah and Mendel. So when they decided to launch a direct sales division of what they were currently doing, a lot of us jumped on board. So that's how I got into it. Kind of a weird segue, but I'm, I love the industry and Pixingo. I kind of picked that up also along the way because I love the products. Um, I use it for Explain my to the audience what Pixingo is because I didn't, I didn't know what it was, but it's similar to other businesses that I am familiar with. But yeah. what is Pixingo all about? So it's really more of like a network marketing company and it's a service that helps you uh, send branded correspondence uh, for your business. And you can set up marketing campaigns through direct mail um, and just you can send personal cards, invitations, announcements, that kind of thing. But it really was to provide that personal connection um, because in the, the age of social media, as we know, a lot of that personal connection has gone by the wayside. So and studies have shown that, you know, when you take the time to send like a personal note, or if you send something in the mail, it's likely to be around for 17 days versus a couple seconds on social media. So big difference. Yeah, it's 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 too easy to just hit the click and delete uh, and all on the on, on the internet. But but you're right, and I mean that's a double-edged sword in it too because uh, not a day goes by that I don't go into my mailbox and I have maybe one letter and a couple of bills. And then there's five or six of these postcard size uh, advertisements, either for picking up your your unwanted goods, uh, to donations to to you know uh, Venetian blind companies, uh, roofing companies, and all. However, just what you said, uh, you go through some of those cards and you see something in there, and you think you know I don't need this now, but you you put it in a drawer. And you, and you save it because, uh, especially if it's something like uh, uh, a plumber 
that's got $50 off or something on a visit. And, and if something happens, you pull that out and say, I'm going to use that coupon. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that there is a little bit of a, of a, a, a resurgence of direct mail. Uh, number one, it used to be pretty costly. Now, when you look at the cost of other forms of advertising, that sometimes uh, uh, to, to get direct mail to a targeted audience is much, much more cost effective. Yes. Yeah. And, and now, how long how long have you been with Pixingo? Oh, gosh. Six and a half years, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a great company. I love it. I'm still, I'm still with it. It's not my primary focus like it had been. I actually started Pixingo when Willow House closed because I wanted to stay in the industry. And I built a great business with it. And then Sarah and Mendel came back and said, oh, we're launching a direct selling jewelry. So I jumped on that. So I ended up doing both. But, um, you know, it worked. They complemented each other. And I still, the correspondence and the quality of it, I just, I love it. So continue yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, if, if folks want to learn about, about you know, uh, uh, for instance, Pixingo and what you do with Pixingo, they can go to what, into Pixingo.com slash Lisa Hammett? Exactly. Forward slash Lisa Hammond. Yep. That's okay. my website. And, and uh, you know, uh, Mark, our producer and all, will be scrolling a little bit across the screen uh, from time to time, uh, your email address and your phone number and all folks, you know, anytime this, this young lady and all has got lots of ideas. And if she, if she can't help you directly, she has the connections to people that can help you. Um, but it just sounds like you are, you're not the kind of person that when you find out that a company you're working with is absorbed by another corporation or something, or they decide they're going to close their doors. Uh, you don't say, Oh, you know, what am I going to do now? You, you, you're a, you're a stepping stone person. You just move from one to the next. Uh, and, and probably one of the most amazing stories uh, about Lisa Hammett was people are looking at this very, very pretty young lady on, on the screen. And, and I even found it hard to believe that you were very, very heavy at, at, at one time, uh, almost to the point I saw a photo and now, now you can see your cheeks and you can see your jaw and all, but it, it, it was round at one time. Uh, and all, when did that happen? And, and, and what, what was, when, how did that fit into your, your other businesses that you were doing? Good question. So in the late nineties, we, we were still in California and I was working for Sharper Image at the time in San Francisco. I joined Weight Watchers, which is now called WW. And I joined it in a, at work we called it at work at that time. And there was a financial building um, in San Francisco that held a uh, lunchtime meeting. So I joined that with a good friend of mine and I lost 45 pounds and I kept it off for three years. And then we moved to Texas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all of that barbecue <laughs> and brisket and chili and <laughs> oh yeah Tex-Mex you know so yeah. all of the great habits that I had developed and 
I was incredibly active in California and I'm still active now, but I mean, I was hiking like two to three days a week, all year round. I was an avid long distance cyclist. I did. I mean, I was very, very active and I mean, let's face it, our weather here makes it a little challenging sometimes to do those outdoor activities. So I took the wrong mentality and said, oh, well, I can't do anything because it's too hot or it's too cold or it's whatever. And I made excuses. So I gained the 45 plus an additional 20 back and I was miserable. I, I, I just felt terrible. I was having like feet issues. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. So um, in 2010, I basically said, this is ridiculous. I need to stop this. So you transitioned from California. California, you were you were heavy. You lost yeah. all the weight. You yeah. moved to Texas. Yeah. And now, now it's like a big reversal. Yeah. So I, like I said, in 2010, I was at the heaviest I'd ever been and I felt terrible. And I'm like, I, I can't live my life this way. And I know better. And I don't want to be miserable. So I went through the program again and lost the 65 pounds and I've kept it off with the exception of about, you know, five pounds, you know, give or take sometimes a year. So it's, yeah. And I, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I struggle like everybody else does. It's not like, Oh, you lose the weight and you're cured. No, that's not true. It's, it's a daily choice, but I, do work for the company WW now, and I uh, seven and a half years. It'll be eight years in November, and I started very part time and have been able to incorporate that in with all my other things. Well, now, you know, since the jury has gone, <laughs> my business closed, and things are are different. Um, I'm taking on more responsibility with WW, and then I'm also kind of transitioning using the skills that I've learned and developed through my member coaching, which I still do. And my many years in direct sales, I'm kind of migrating into something different. So it's when you say like stepping stones, I look back on my life and I'm like, it's really interesting how this uh, period in my life transitioned me into this due to this skill set or these people that I became in contact with or, you know, what have the experiences or just moving. So it's been, it's been really interesting to see how all of that has kind of evolved. Well, it, you know, it, it seems to me that you're, you're the, you're the type of personality that when you get into something or involved in something and you, you see it, for instance, the jewelry, you know, you like the jewelry and you start wearing the jewelry and you say, hmm, you know, I'll bet I could sell this jewelry. And <laughs> so you do. Uh, you know, you get involved with Weight Watchers to, simply to, to lose weight. And you say, hmm, you know, I'll bet I could coach other people to do this, too. And I think you said you're a life member of, of Weight Watchers uh, now, now, too. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's commendable how you, your personality and your attitude just wraps around something and embraces it. And it's something that I think a lot of us and, and, and aspire to do, but we just don't. Uh, and you have the, the ability to do that. Now, you said you lost a ton of weight. And again, as I say, I saw some, some photos and you have kept that weight off for a number of years. Um, has that allowed you to become more active again? Oh, absolutely. And feel much better. And 
Absolutely. And I mean, part of my one of the things um, that I talk to members about and <laughs> tell myself is, you know, why why do you do this? Why do you want to be on this journey? Why do you want to lose the weight? I mean, it's the why is so important and your why can evolve and change as you evolve and change. But a big why for me is I I do not like taking medication and I don't want to be old <laughs> down the road and be on a bunch of medication. I don't. And I unfortunately do have like degenerative, you know, arthritis issues like in my knees. And at some point we'll probably have to get knee replacement surgery, but I am trying to postpone that for as long as possible. And by keeping the weight off and staying active, I can do that and manage it without having to take a bunch of medication. Cause I'm all for being um, holistic and being proactive instead of reactive. So. And it's interesting that you say that because it's almost like I'm looking in a mirror because it's very much my life too. Uh, I was uh, I was a runner for 20 years. I absolutely loved running events, and I just I even enjoyed just my my daily runs, which would be between three and five miles. Um, and and I used to do some long distance running. Uh, then I blew out a knee, uh, and and I couldn't I couldn't run anymore. Uh, torn meniscus, I was told. And the doctor says we'll have to we'll do that surgically. And I said, let me think about it for a while. Just like you said, I, I went to glucosamine and chondroitin, uh, took the tablets, and about 13 weeks later, uh, my knee felt a lot better. Now, I'm talking probably almost 20 years ago now that all of this happened. And so even though I still have issues with the knee, I'm, I still am not the type of person to say, okay, surgery is the answer. I'm also dealing with osteoarthritis. Uh, and all. I'm having some skeletal issues. Uh, and again, the doctor says, let's try some exercise and manipulations and physical therapy. And I said, absolutely. Anything short of, of spinal fusions and all that stuff. And I'm not a pill popper either. I don't, I don't really want to unless it really gets, gets bad. The difference between you and me, and I'll say it right in front of you and to, to my entire audience, Lisa does something about her weight, and I have not gotten there yet. But I'm getting to the point now where I realize that at my age and my weight, that the only way that I can now help those joints and the ability to keep moving as I get older is I've got to take some of the baggage off. And having said that, this is another stepping stone that Lisa Hammett now says, you know what? I've coached myself and, and I'm taking a holistic approach. Huh? Maybe, <laughs> I should, maybe I should do something with that. And that's a direction that you're moving in now. And, and I want you to share with, with our, our listeners and viewers and all, how does one realize that they reach that brink and that they've got to do something and you now have the tools and the ability and the background in order to make it happen and turn it into a, a if you will, a coaching business? Great question. So first thing is, as far as being ready, your head needs to be in the game. And what I mean by that is you need to have the right mindset. And 
for years. Obviously, I did not have the right mindset because I gained all my weight back plus 20 pounds. So although I didn't feel good and I would look at pictures of myself and didn't like the way I looked, it wasn't that strong of a mindset to do something about it. And then one day, I actually, I saw a picture of me um, in a newspaper for an event. And honestly, I was horrified at how I looked. And I mean, I knew that I was overweight, but it just, it really struck me. And I'm like, enough, enough. And I got my head in the game and I've stayed that way. Now, that's what I do a lot with um, my personal coaching. So I help individuals one-on-one really delve into those mindset issues. It's what are those stumbling blocks that are helping you or preventing you from helping yourself, getting to where you want to be. So we talk a lot about why. Why do you want something? Why are you where you're at right now? And then we look at mindset. And I mean, I have to work on my personal mindset every day. I mean, if you go onto any of my social media, I don't post anything negative. I don't. I'm not saying I don't have a bad day like everybody else does, but I am not going to blast it out on social media. And I am really trying hard to stay positive, you know, by being thankful, you know, and, and Lori Roberts, as you know very well, um, yes. and, and NetWeavers is a, is a gratitude coach and she does this beautifully and she is so inspiring and you know, I, I strive to be like that all the time, to really be grateful and thankful. So I share all that because that is all part of the mindset component that, you know, I talk about in my coaching. And absolutely, you know, we talk about weight issues, you know, we talk about eating and activity. But what I am not, and I don't want to be because there are people out there who could do it better. I'm not a nutritionist. <laughs> I am a certified coach, but I am not a nutritionist and I am not a personal trainer. And I don't want to be either, but I love helping people with goal setting. And I think that's why I've been so resilient over the years and able to move on because I set very powerful goals for myself and I look at the big picture. Where do I want to be long term? So I, I can do that. You know, so I, I work with the goal setting and the mindset. And from there, you know, then we help develop healthy habits that are sustainable because the key is if you can't sustain it, it's not worth doing. And, and it's interesting. So I, 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 I sense that what other people may do to help people with their body, you do to help them with their mind, mm-hmm. you know, to get them into that, that position of, of saying, you know, it's, it's almost like I remember at one time when I was on a diet, I put a, a, a sign on the refrigerator and all. And it just simply said, do you really need to open this door? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was a mental thing. And, and, and sometimes, okay, just get a nice big glass of water, you know, instead of perusing the, the refrigerator. Cause if you open that door, you're going to find something to put in your mouth. Uh, and all, unfortunately I'm, I'm probably in that position where I've got to get that mindset going again, you know, to, to, to do that. You, you mentioned uh, in, in our conversation earlier 
a little bit that you've had some medical challenges. I have too. I'm a cancer survivor. And, and when I was diagnosed with cancer, that was so devastating to my psyche that, I mean, almost everything was irrelevant. And I, I did. I almost stopped eating because I was, I was terrified. I was concerned. Uh, fortunately, uh, within, within a year, I was cancer-free. Uh, and <laughs> the, the downside was then I said, oh, well, I'm cancer-free. I'm okay. So run over to the, the bakery and get a dozen and, and uh, celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not alone. <laughs> Please know that. Yeah, and, and and I think it's safe to say that there are far more people that have that that I don't care attitude than there are the ones like you say that you've got to get to the point where you say to yourself, "I got to do something." Like an alcoholic saying, "You, you yeah. can't you can't stop drinking until you admit that you're an alcoholic." Yep. So I'm a foodaholic. And I, I haven't gotten to point. So what is it within this program that Lisa Hammett is doing with people in order to put them in that mindset that they need? What is part of that program? So, I mean, a part of it, again, is a lot of the, the mindset work. You know, we work on, you know, putting your head in the, in the game by focusing on positive things. You know, how, how do you treat others? Do you treat others the way you treat yourself? You know, that common, common things like that. And right. then really developing the sustainable habits. I mean, it's, you know, I had a, a member this morning who, who said to me, she said, I need to drink more water. I'm like, okay, what does more water look like to you? And she said, well, I should. And she kept saying, should, I should do this. I should do that. And I'm like, why do you think you should? Well, because that's what I'm told. Who's telling you? Well, the media. This is what I've heard. And I said, okay, so you feel like you should. Are you doing it? No. Why are you not doing it? Is that realistic? No. I do about three. I do about three a day. And she's talking like, you know, 16 ounces. So it's a decent amount. I'm like, okay, so drinking more water. Let's talk about a realistic goal that you can start with. Okay. So we came up, I said, why don't you work on consistently drinking the three? And once you've mastered that, then maybe you add another one. But I said, how does it make you feel when you consistently let yourself down and don't achieve what you think you should do? And she said, I feel terrible. I just feel like a failure. And I'm like, well, that's not working. And you're not a failure. You're human. So let's break this down and figure out what is realistic and go from there. So I do a lot of work like that. It is. It's very interesting. I know that I have heard a phrase that I've heard is, well, I just can't drink all that water because I'll be in the bathroom every every 15 minutes. <laughs> I and, am. <laughs> yeah, you know, and hey, if that's part of the process, then, then do it. And I just heard somebody say that to determine, and and it might have been my my doctor because uh, with the uh, osteoarthritis, they say that a lot more uh, water uh, in your in your daily routine. They say to whatever your weight is, divide that in half, and that's how many ounces of water you should consume in a day. So if you're you're 
200 pounds, you should take in a uh, hundred ounces of water. Well, those little, you know, 12 or 16 ounce bottles that you drink, you're talking about drinking five, six or more of those a day. But the, you know, and, and then you say, well, I, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. And, and what is water? It's just good cold liquid, zero calories. There's no preservatives in it, no additives, no artificial anything. And unless you just have to have your, you know, alpine uh, water or something like that, the water you get out of the tap or out of your, your refrigerator and all is perfectly drinkable. Uh, and, and I'm trying to get to that point and maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. You'll, you can tell me is that sometimes if you think I want to, I want to grab a handful of nuts or I want to grab a handful of chocolate covered raisins or something, grab a bottle of water and drink it, the, the whole bottle. And all of a sudden you're, you don't have that, that urge, uh, for food. Is that feasible? Yeah, that's feasible. I mean, there's there's reasons why to do that. Because if, and you say you're a food addict, well, I'm a food addict too. I would never have gone through WW if I wasn't. I mean, I, I love food. So, and we, we laugh in workshops and say, yeah, we're basically the AA for food addicts, you know? So you recognize that maybe reaching for those nuts or I guess you have to figure out why are you reaching for them? Are you hungry? And if you're really hungry, then is it the right choice what you're grabbing? And it might be if you're really hungry and you haven't really eaten anything. Or if it's just that you're just mindlessly doing it because the jar's there and you're bored, then right. absolutely what you said is is great. Try, you know, some water. And a lot of times when we think that we are hungry we're actually thirsty and we don't recognize that so sometimes that can help and it also just makes you feel fuller you know anyway so that is a good practice but then again you know it kind of boils down to why are you reaching for the food in the first place you know well and i know, I know that with with weight watchers and other programs like that uh, if you have a craving for nuts, th that's okay. But you take a few nuts to, to satisfy the craving. I'm the kind of person, and there's an awful lot of people like me, that you're not satisfied with just a little, a few nuts. It's got to be a cup. And then after one cup, you go to a, a, a second cup. It's portion control. Uh, I'm going to ask you, I want to ask your opinion. There are a lot of, you know, Lord knows there's, there's, thousands of diets uh, out there uh, and and they they're, they're all different across the board but some of them have to do with prepackaged food that you you order or so uh, uh, it's another another form of diet it's, it's it's kind of portion control but uh, what what's your your opinion of some of those programs that that you have to sign up and get your food delivered so it boils down, in my opinion, to sustainability. So if you do that, can you sustain that long term? Can you eat prepackaged meals until you die? Probably not. 
Right. Now, I'm not saying that those meals are terrible. I'm not saying anything negative about that. I have, in fact, it's funny that you asked me this question because I had a conversation with a friend yesterday, you know, about this. And she was asking, we were talking about, you know, different, you know, keto and intermittent fasting and everything. And I said, bottom line is it boils down to sustainability. You know, obviously working for WW when I am in my WW world, I am a full hundred percent proponent of, you know, what they're, what they're doing. But if you're just asking me as like a, a health coach, I would say, again, it boils down to sustainability and what you can do long-term. And if what you're going to do, yeah, it might help you lose weight and you could drop it quickly and that's great. But then when you go up, when you finish that and go off and resume all of the habits that you were doing before and gain your weight back, one, it's defeating. And two, that is worse health-wise. There have been numerous studies supporting this, that it is better for your overall health to, and I'm not saying everybody should be overweight, but it is better for your overall health to maintain a healthier, more stable weight and it might be a little higher than where you ultimately want to be than doing this yo-yo thing because the yo-yo thing shocks your system. And that is what can cause, you know, a stroke or just your heart to give out, you know, because it, it puts your, your system into a shock. So whatever that you can do that is sustainable, that will keep you more at an, an even level that is what you should do. You know, and, and then just maybe trim those portions down a little bit. And, uh, and, and the, 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 one, the one ingredient we haven't really touched upon is, is the, the uh, exercise or movement. I mean, even if it is something as simple as walking, uh, unfortunately, because of, of, you know, back or leg issues that I have, I'm reduced to walking the dog and maybe doing a little bit of mild walking and occasionally maybe a little bit of, of bike riding. But, uh, you know, the days of, of tennis and, and golf as exercise is, 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 is over. And for a lot of people, because of injury uh, or so, that may be the case. So how does one who, who is not able to get that exercise component uh, in how do they do that? Because now they've got to really concentrate on the dietary side of the, of the program. So that is an excellent question. Um, so kind of a rule of thumb is we're 80% what we eat. So 80% of what we put into our bodies is going to impact our weight. Okay. The other 20% consists of activity and it is important regardless of your age, your gender, your weight, it is important that every single person be active to some degree. Now, to your point, as we age, we may not have the same ability that we did when we were, we were younger. And that is okay. That is okay. Then you need to find what will work for you. You know, it's, they, it's interesting. We had a topic about this in a workshop recently about uh, sitting and how sitting is considered the new cancer. And it's because our bodies were designed to move. 
what happens when we sit our spinal column doesn't uh you know i'm drawing a blank on what i'm trying to say but it's not aligned properly and as a result that in it impacts our organs and if our organs aren't optimally working properly that can impact all different kinds of things so this can all happen if we sit all the time so you know it is better to just be up and down throughout the day than to maybe work out in whatever you think that is for an hour in the morning or an hour and a half in the morning and then sit all day long so and going back to what you were saying is how can you just get up and move more throughout the day? You know, start with that. I mean, for people that I've worked with who are very, very overweight and have a lot to lose, they physically, that's all they can do is just get up. I'm like, okay, then you get up and you do what you can do. And if you have to sit down, that's okay. But the thing is, as you lose the weight, your energy level is going to be better. You're going to be more flexible. So you are going to be able to do things. And, and add more to that. Yeah. So you know what, Stuart? Some of those things that you mentioned that you say, I can't do now. Well, maybe you can't do now. But you know what? If you And you said that you wanted to lose some weight. I'm not saying you need to. But... You know, if, if that's your choice and you want to, you might be able to do some of those. So you, do, you don't know. I mean, the bottom line is be where you're at. You know, right. does that make sense? Yeah, no, per perfect sense. You know, okay. because I've, I've gone into to, to looking at, at uh, the, the packaged meals at the store. And the one ingredient that they always seem to do is, is it, it adds sodium. And as you get older, sodium is, can be a, can be a, a killer. Uh, and also to make the this bland food taste good, they simply <laughs> add some sodium to it. Well, you know, it's it, it's a matter of doing doing what's right, and that's why someone like Lisa becomes very very helpful because you can say, okay, I need to modify my life a little bit, and I need some help because obviously I haven't been able to do it on on my own. You know, time is flying away from us, and there's another avenue that I want to discuss with you because I know it's very important to you. And that is fundraising. You, yes. you have been involved in fundraising for, for many, many years. And I want you to, to share with, with our, our listeners and viewers a little about, about how what fundraising means to you. Okay, thank you for asking that. Um, so when I worked uh, with jewelry by Sarah Blaine, the reason I enjoyed my jewelry business so much wasn't just about the fact that I represented beautiful jewelry, because I did. And I loved the owners of the company. But it didn't put a fire in my belly to say, oh, buy a pair of earrings. I mean, that, that was not, you know, I, I, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. But what I really started to enjoy was the ability that I had based on the business model to fundraise and to really see how I could raise substantial money for organizations or individuals. And that was so rewarding. And I could see how it really made an impact. So one of the components, and I'm in the process of, of really creating a, a big a company that involves, you know, different facets. But one of the things that I'm working on right now is the fundraising component so that I can help, you know, nonprofits, small and medium sized businesses on creative ways to fundraise. Because let's face it, the world as we know it has changed. And it Absolutely. probably will be forever changed. And the days of these huge galas 
and these just big uh, events, you know, we, we can't do things the way we used to, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So we need right. to be creative and think outside the box of what we can do. And it might mean more smaller scale things, but they can be incredibly effective. Um, a gal that I network with, uh, she's part of the Hope Clinic, actually, in McKinney, which provides health care for people who can't afford health care, basically. They had an online um, auction, and they raised, I want to say, over $60,000 on a virtual online auction. Okay. So if they can do it, anybody can do it. It's just a matter of how do you go about doing it? And I can help with that. So that's, that's also something that I'm really passionate about and I love to do. So yeah, in, in many cases, what it is is taking the ideas that you have grown up with and, and practiced and repurposing them to the new, the new, whatever we call the new normal uh, and all. And, you know, you've certainly been able to do that through your business lifetime uh, and repurposing yourself and and I, I applaud you for that. You're you're an inspiration. Uh, and and again, uh, you know, folks have been watching uh, the the show. We very very much appreciate it. Uh, get in touch with uh, Lisa Hammett at att.net. Att.net. There it is. Thank you. Mark. You got the phone number and and the email. Drop in and 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 ask any questions. The the, the one thing about Lisa is. Uh, if you got a question, she'll be happy to either answer it or get the answer for you. Um, and that that's important. Lisa, thank you for taking the time to be with me this morning and all. I applaud you for, for all that you have done and all that you do. Uh, you're a very, very sweet young lady and I love you to death and, and just keep up the great work with the, with your new endeavors and, uh, we'll get together and talk again soon. I love that. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this and I appreciate you very much. So, All right. You take care. And that will do it for another uh, edition of Someone You Should Know this week with Lisa Hammett. And I hope you'll be here again next week at the same time for another, another uh, Someone You Should Know. In the meantime, be safe, be well. And remember, as I have said, and my wife reminded me to keep saying it, be yourself because everyone else is taken. I love that.